Hello and welcome to the One Football Podcast. I'm going to fuck my laptop out the window and it's going to land at the feet of my neighbour who always wears a skirt. A guy? This guy. Wears a skirt every day. Is he Scottish? This is the thing, right? He's wearing the kilt. So, yeah, he's wearing, he's not wearing a skirt. He's wearing, he's wearing a kilt. But he's not Scottish. Then he's a Scottish wannabe. Is that unusual? I guess not. You might, you might have Mike's legs, so he wants to show him often. You know, all to mm. all of us. You mean he's been working on his calves and he wants people to? He wants people to know. Yeah, he's got Shakiri calves, and uh, he wants the world to see. Which why wouldn't you? Has Shakiri got good calves? Oh well, yeah. You want to Google that after this? So maybe yeah, I'll he's bigger than me head. Let me Google it right now. <laughs> Shakiri and calves. Let me see. Is this sort of cycling calves, or how should I be? Oh, yeah. Like Roberto Carlos kind of Wow. Oh, my. <laughs> oh, it's hot today. <laughs> wow. Anyway, joining me, Ian McCord, on today's One Football Podcast is late edition, Joanna Bueno. Hi. And late edition, Joel Sanderson-Murray. It is a late edition podcast. Hi. Uh, yeah, I like to leave it late, don't we all? Yeah, but we had some tech issues today. We did plan to have other people on. So these two are our backups, basically. Not that we love them any less for that, uh, but they are. And thank you for writing to the rescue, both of you. Uh, podcast at onefootball.com is where you can send any loves, any gifts, any abuse you may have for the team. Now, Barcelona, Lionel Andreas Messi, first name ever, last name greatest. But even the greatest could not stop the rod of Barcelona. Given the status of the club, their history, the fact that they have Messi in their side, the greatest ever player... Was that defeat to Bayern Munich the most humiliating club defeat of all time? That's what I want to hear, people. It was definitely the most humiliating Barcelona defeat of all time. Uh, I'm not so sure about uh, all times in all clubs, but I mean, I guess I have to say this was the disaster that we were waiting for it, right? I haven't seen Barcelona play well in, I mean, really well in, what, three years, four years? They keep winning the, the La Liga or the Copa del Rey, you know, because pretty much they have no contesters whatsoever, just Real Madrid and maybe Atletico. And I have to, I have to say that when it comes to big matches, Barcelona have been very, very disappointing for a long time. So before the match against Bayern, I was already expecting... A lot of goals from Bayern, Barcelona being smashed. I just didn't know it was going to be that bad. Was it as bad as the 7-1, Joanna? It was as bad as the 7-1, of course. Everyone uh, connected to that. The Brazilian people narrating the match or watching the match would always do that. We had a piece for the a Brazilian edition of the app talking about internet reactions. Everything was the 7-1. Even coincidentally, the, the Brazilian TV that was broadcasting the match in Brazil had Julio Cesar as a commentator, the goalkeeper of Brazilian uh, national team in the 7-1. <laughs> so that was a, a big coincidence. You know that famous picture of the guy in the hat looking pretty glum? Yeah. Did they ever find out who that was? 
Yeah, that is actually a very famous, well, he was because he died recently, oh. a very famous fan that would go to all the Brazilian matches and everyone knew him. And he became even more famous because of that. So I think he died right before the 2018 World Cup. So his sons went to Russia with his uh, cup, you know, what he carried around as pretending to be a cup. Mm-hmm. to represent him so it was a kind of a nice story actually okay uh joe most humiliating club defeat of all time or have i gone too far i mean it's it's not fair far shout to, to suggest that i mean it's barcelona's biggest defeat since 1946 it seems to be um i think you know it, 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 thankfully for them the fans weren't there to witness it because if you're throwing pig's heads at lewis figo for Become the traitor. God knows what we're throwing at the Barcelona players after you know what after Friday night. Um, but it just you know, like Joanna said, it's been a problem for for a long, long time. And I think it, it this 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 kind of thing was due to happen. I mean, I don't think anyone ever expected eight two. I don't think anyone expected Barcelona to see eight goals. But they they've been these kind of things I think since Roma since Roma did them um, the comeback in you know a couple of years going to Champions League and see what happened with Liverpool last year you know that that was humiliating, humiliating enough but this so it was all coming to a head for something like this to happen and you know as we're going to go on to speak about I think this is finally Barcelona hitting their rock bottom but this has been due to happen for a long time uh, Joel, a lot of Liverpool fans, uh, well, I say a lot. I saw one Liverpool fan <laughs> taking credit for breaking Barcelona. Uh, were you one of them too? No, no way. Um, I, I can, I know why Liverpool fans do claim that because <laughs> we like to claim our little wins. But I, I think the point of that is that Barcelona have been bumbling under the service of just being a complete disaster for a while. Um, if if you're going to claim a result has done it to them, then surely the one against Roma was that broke Barcelona. But I think if we're looking a bit further back, I, I personally think the way the Neymar left and and that sale was where it all started to perhaps mm. unravel a bit for them. But there's been a lot of problems behind behind closed doors and in the boardroom for a long time. But I I think if you look back to that Neymar deal and. At the time, Barcelona were probably at the height of European football. You know the twenty fifteen Champions League final. You know, and you, had, you know the way they won that, and also you had that front three of Messi, Neymar, Suarez, which was the best in European football. And and, and then the way PSG just came in, and you know, this new money team, um, trying to threaten the big boys, and and, and they did it. They went and just come and took their best player, or well, one of their best players and, and Barcelona for one didn't reinvest that money properly uh, but, well saying it didn't invest in properly is probably being a bit too nice for them they've been an absolute complete disaster with the way they reinvested that money uh, we have hit rock bottom now we all need to look internally to reflect and see what is best for us what is the most important that sort of sounds like a crackhead talking after a three day bender but it's actually uh, Gerard Piquet after the the defeat uh, so you, uh, Joel, you're saying that that sale of, of Neymar and that new money coming in and undermining them, but that, that was part of it. Joanna, there's got to be a bit more to it too. I'm thinking, you know, the lack of proper replacements, that sort of thing. 
Yeah, first of all, I think Barcelona, among the top European clubs, is the one that has the worst football department of buying and selling players of all times. It's a disaster when they go to the market. And people know that they have money, especially after they got 222 million from Neymar. So they ask a lot and they ask a lot for players that are not worth it. And, and Barcelona invests in that. Uh, lately, you have to say that, you know, Barcelona is also very well known for taking, uh, f forming young players in the academy with the same philosophy since they're eight years old. Uh, I don't remember anyone which was the last really good player coming out of the academy. I mean, we have now Ansu Fati, but, you know, he's still a promise. We don't know what it will come out of him if you're going to be another Bojan. But... Maybe Thiago Alejandro? Maybe he yeah, I think Thiago and Rafinha. Rafinha I also like a lot, but you know, he's had a lot of problems with his uh, with injuries. So I think maybe Thiago, who is already what, twenty eight, maybe turning thirty. And is joining Liverpool. <laughs> and he's joining Liverpool, yeah. And uh, so that also explains uh, a bit of how they got there. And I see the team today, I see the squad, and it doesn't look like it's Barcelona. Of course, you have Piquet, who is a world champion, Euro champion, but he's already past his 30s, he's past, long past his, his prime. And of course, you have Messi and Suarez and Tashtegan, but apart from that, I mean, Jordi Alba, Rakitic, uh, Sergio Roberto, Semedo, Lengle, you hear those names? I think it's like a middle to mid-bottom uh, European squad. I wouldn't say this is a squad fighting for a Champions League title. I wouldn't say this is a squad fighting for a Champions League spot in the in the National League. So it seems to me that they've just keep, they've been pushing with this kind of squad for a long time because Messi's been deciding. Messi decides the matches. Messi's Messi after all. But also, at the same time, he's a, a wonderful football player. You have no way to contest that. But he's not a decisive football player. I think that Messi lacks a personality that after you get a 3-0, puts the team together and say, come on, you guys, let's go for it. You know, like, for example, I don't like him. Everyone knows, everyone that listens to the podcast knows that. But Neymar has. Yeah, he had that against the, the PSG when they overturned. They turn it around, and that's what PSG got him for because they wanted a leader and also a star and a good player. Uh, so I think Messi lacks that. You don't see that. You see that in Cristiano Ronaldo, for example, when uh, they lost for Atletico Madrid. He says, "Okay, you want know what? I'm gonna go there and I'm gonna score three goals and I'm gonna qualify us. Never mind what Simeone does, and I'm still gonna tease Simeone about it." So I think this explains a little bit why Barcelona is there. And, you know, also, of course, uh, hiring maybe some of the latest guys that they've hired were good choices when it comes to football, but then didn't perform well, like Dembele or Griezmann or Coutinho. But then at the same time, all three of them play in the same position. Mm -hmm. So how can you expect to pay 100, 150 million in three players that do not perform well and We'll just replace each other. And they had Coutinho. 
Yeah, and then I think the worst part of the whole defeat was not even the eight goals, but the fact that the last two goals were scored by their player that they paid a that they paid 150 million and did not fit the team. They loaned them out, they loaned him out, and he comes back and says, "You know what? I'm going to score against you guys, and I'm going to close the coffin." <laughs> uh, so if I've if I've read you right, uh, you as a Brazilian think Neymar is a better player than Messi, and that Barcelona should turf him out. No, that's not what I said. (laughs) But Neymar is a good player. But I think Neymar has uh, a personality, a leadership skills or motivation that Messi does not have. I I I, I think Messi is amazing. But one thing that I cannot understand is how Messi has the captain armband, either in Barcelona or in the Argentinian national team, because he's everything but a captain. And I think Barcelona needs also a captain, which they don't have. When they have, for example, Puyol, it was completely different. Even if Puyol was not the greatest player of all times. No, but he fit that role. He was the right person for that role in that Exactly. So I understand that you want to give it to the guy that has been in the club for the most, the longest, and, you know, was joined the club at 12 years old. So it's natural. In Spain, they have that a lot. The person that has been in the club the longest, like Sergio Ramos in Real Madrid and things like that. But you have to be able to be a captain. You have to be able to pull your team together, to motivate them, to, to boss them around in the pitch. And Messi does not do that. Okay, so a nice easy question for you, Joel. How do they fix it? Joanna's already <laughs> suggested that they turf out Messi. What, what, would, be, what would be your suggestion? Um, there's, there's too much to to fix it over one summer or one transfer window. This is going to take a long, long time. Uh, for one, there probably does need to be a change at the top. Um, who that needs to come in? Who needs to come in? You know, I'm not going to I'm not going to liberty to suggest that because I'm not too sure on that, who should that be. But I know that they are now going to do the elections in March, which is still probably a bit too late. That change probably needs to happen now. Um, if we're talking on the, sort of the football side of things purely, they've not had a good transfer window since 2014 uh, when they brought in Stegen and Rakitic. Because I mean, I, I don't think they've they've not bought anyone since then, which I think is, deserves to wear the Barcelona shirts and and should be at the required level to play for Barcelona. Uh, if we're talking about who needs to go. I mean, there are reports that they're going to sell everyone apart from Messi. And <laughs> I, you know what? I, I don't think that is far wrong. I don't, you know, well, apart from Frankie De Jong, I, th- I think, I think now, I, I think they start building their, their midfield for one around Frankie De Jong. Um, whether they need to bring Dante Fati in and make him a regular starter as well, there's probably a question about that. But. For one, you try and do this sort of business in a normal transfer window, in a normal market, it's hard enough. To try and do it in this COVID world, COVID world that we're in, I don't know how you're going to do it because who's going to have the money to, to, to buy Barcelona's players on their high wages and ridiculous wages that they're on? You know, not many teams are going to be able to do that. Um, so I'm not sure how much money they're going to get in. I'm not sure how much money there is to spend. They were talking about not being able to buy new players before all this happened anyway um, this uh, during this market. So I don't think that's going to suddenly change. So much needs to be done. Um, I, I actually don't think they're going to be able to do it before the season starts. I, this is this could turn even nastier, to be honest. I think, I think that's the way it's going. Um, it, it doesn't look good. 
Okay, so you're you're expecting a a long hard winter for them. I I think the way it is right now, um, this they could have a sort of the in the way that Manchester United, Liverpool, and Arsenal have all you know fallen off cliffs at you know at times in in the past years or the past couple of decades, uh, and Liverpool also went thirty years without winning the title. Barcelona could have a hit like that if they don't get decisions right in the next couple of years. Um, mm. it, it could it could literally fall that far for them. Messi could that Messi actually probably is a bit of a, a strange problem for them because for the last couple of years they, they know they can do whatever they want and are probably been able to make these decisions and bad decisions because Messi can get them out of the water all the time. And now I think he's just it looks like he's found he's had enough. But if he goes, at least they can maybe rebuild the team and, and shape it in a different way if they have the right person making those decisions. I, I feel really sorry for him because for, for Messi because you can't just keep expecting to uh, to dig the team out. I know you know criticizing sort of his abilities as a captain. I'm, I'm not sure I subscribe to that, but his abilities as a player, he's just you know. Every time Barcelona been the Maya, he's pulled them out, and I think it's just finally they've gone too well, far too often with him. Well, speaking of bad decisions, Ronald Koeman. <laughs> I mean, come on, people! Like, there's potentially Xavi there. There's potentially Pochettino there. Why would they go for Ronald Koeman? Was his time at Everton so impressive, Joel? I. I I don't it was impressive to me. It was impressive to me. <laughs> yeah, he's a Liverpool they, fan. They were in the relegation zone when he when he got sacked. So I loved him. I thought he did a great job. Um, <laughs> I, I I don't. It, it's wild. It's a wild decision. But the reason they they probably done it is because he's an ex player and he's got a lot standing in there. Um, is it because he, was, he scored that goal? It probably is let you down for that one goal at Wembley. <laughs> um, he deserves some credit. He, he's done a pretty good job at Netherlands uh, for the Netherlands, should I say. Um, and going into the Euros next summer, I probably would have him down as one of the favourites to win. Uh, he's, re- he's rebuilt that that team, and they've been doing pretty well for a couple of years now. But at club level, he, for for a while, he's he's been strange, if, if that's the right word to use. He's had a few really good high-profile jobs, and he's just been a bit average, all of them. And everything is a complete disaster. I I think this strikes is just a decision, just, just him to mind. Sort of mind the shop for a bit for a year or two until maybe and because Xavi I think will end up being the head coach and and that's maybe where the rebuild starts I I think but Xavi signed a new contract you know at this job he's at now and he, he's all saying he's not ready to take it on I mean why would you at this moment um, but I think eventually all roads lead to Xavi I think Koeman sort of like stopgap until then. Um, and I think he's happy to say because he's always wanted this job. And uh, there was a tweet yesterday about when he was at Everton, his uh, registration plate on his car uh, had RKFCB on it. And oh, um, he's always flooded his eyelashes at Barcelona, and that's always been his aim. So he's happy to take it. But I think they're kind of setting him up for a fail. They're just kind of getting him to do a firefighting job and, and just mind the post for a bit while he sort everything else out. Um, I think it'll end in disaster. Uh, I don't see any other way uh, Ronald Koeman suddenly becomes the greatest manager in world football and leads Barcelona back to the pivotal of it. I just think he's minding the role while, while they sort other things out and Xavi eventually does take over at some point. 
I can't be friends with anybody who has a personalized number five. That's, <laughs> that's, that's too much. Uh, yeah, I, I'm with you, Joel. I think it's going to be a, a disaster of epic proportions. But I do think, I think Xavi, and this might be a bit controversial, but I think Xavi's waiting for Messi to retire or for Messi to go because it lowers expectations and then he doesn't have to, he doesn't have to be the one that puts, you know, Messi to the side. I think he wants to come in with a clean slate, no Messi. He takes over, reinstates Barcelona into their glory. That's my little theory. I don't know. That's just, just, putting, that. just putting it out there. Yeah, okay. that, that's a good theory. But I, I also think he needs a, he wants a little bit more of experience in as a coach, and he doesn't want to take over after a disaster, or he doesn't want to take over with the pressure of being the coach that will. Bring Barcelona back from the bottom of the pitch, you know. So I think he wants something a little uh, less under pressure, maybe. Mm. Um, now, elsewhere, when are we going to come out, Joanna, and say that Pep Guardiola is a fraud and should be sacked? <laughs> well, I highly disagree with that. He can't even, beat a, I... he can't even beat a French team. Come on. <laughs> yeah, but I understand what you mean, but. I I think there's also uh, I think one of Guardiola's problems, and it's been his problem since the very first start at Barcelona, is the size of the squad that he deals with. He doesn't want a big squad because he wants to build the relationship with the guys. He wants everyone to have their their turn in the pitch. He wants everyone to be a part of the team. He doesn't want people dissatisfied of being on the bench. So he works with, what, 18, 19 people. And then in the end of the season, he has problems with that. Or he doesn't have that one player that will save, like save his ass. You know, he doesn't have that one player that will turn it around. The team has been... In Man, in Man City, in, in particular, I don't think that he was able to bring a winning mentality to the team as he was in the others, even if in, 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 in Bayern he didn't really perform as good as we expected, or especially in the Champions League. So I, I have my doubts about his, what, fifth year in Man City? I'm not sure that's such a good uh, op- option or such a good decision. He said it himself, four years is the maximum you can stay in a team. And then he pledged love to Man City because of the whole UEFA thing. They weren't going to be able to play the UEFA Champions League anymore. And he said, no, I'll stick around. You know, now that they can't play the Champions League and and he's done another quarterfinals and to a team that we did not expect him to lose, maybe it's time for him to step aside, you know, get his other one-year sabbatical, then maybe go back to Barcelona because this is Barcelona's ultimate dream, I guess. So there you go, Joel. Joanna's coming out with all these hot takes. <laughs> She's saying Neymar is better than Messi. She's saying Pep Guardiola is a fraud and should step down. Those were your words. I, I'm just, I'm just summing up for all of our, all of our listeners, just, to, just in case. Uh, so yeah, Joel, Pep Guardiola, complete fraud. Can't even beat Liverpool to the title. Can't even <laughs> beat a French team. Uh, what do you reckon? He's only set by his own high standards, really. I think that's why he's measured by, and I think that's where he's coming undone. Because um, let's not forget, he led this Man City team to 190 points over two seasons and retained the Premier League title where not many teams have done that for a, for a long time. 
but there is a question about the Champions League. And I think it's kind of the way that his Barcelona team won the Champions League in you know nine and eleven. Um, you know, and obviously a lot of a lot of people consider them to be the best team of all time, best club team of all time. It's, it's kind of like when a you know a, a band releases a, a top notch, perfect first album. And there was a second, third, and fourth. They can never really quite hit those high standards. Like they have a few good singles, but they can never quite get to the the ability of that first album again. Are we, are we talking about the Strokes? <laughs> I'm just asking. <laughs> I mean, I like, you... I liked Room on Fire, but it wasn't this. They say. <laughs> I mean, you could also throw Kingsley on in there, but let's leave. Let's not. Let's let's not end that discussion. But um, no, I. I... <laughs> It's such a strange drama with Guardiola because the thing is, and everyone keeps leveling this at him, is the way he adapts and changes his team when it comes to the Champions League. It really gets in, well, the knockout round, should we say, it really gets into his head. Um, and that, I mean, maybe it doesn't, but that, that's what it really looks like because I, I don't understand, and I know a lot of people said, I don't understand why he changed the team the way he did against mm. Leon. Uh, I know, you know there was a piece that came out in the Athletic about sort of the way they they, ch- they changed to a five at the back, and and he said they they trained for three days before the game, uh, and I know there's been questions from from looks like players inside the camp saying they don't understand why they've adapted and accommodated for Leon, who finished seventh from Ligue uh, and while they trained in a four-three-three all season, suddenly it comes to this, and and they, and the change. I mean, for for one, you're only on three days trying out this new system and trying to get used to. It. That's just no time to do it, even for like a a bog standard league game. Like you, you'll probably win it, but you won't be all firing. Never mind doing it for a quarter final uh, in the Champions League, which is a, a, in a very strange situation already, where it's only on one leg. Um, it's it just seems that he's just trying to reach those heights again, and he knows that whatever he does at Man City, if he doesn't win the Champions League, there there will be question marks about him. I, I think that's maybe a little bit unfair, but that just seems to be what he's setting himself by. And he knows if he doesn't achieve it, he is going to get people calling for Audiola. He's used that quote himself in the past, where he says people call me for Audiola, which is which is hilarious. But I, yeah, it's so bizarre, isn't it? Um, you you mentioned that piece in the Athletic. I think it's the, the one you're talking about is from Sam Lee, yeah. and had this pretty interesting quote where it said several other sources remarkably spoke of some of his players uh, trusting the manager dwindling in the big games. The players are starting to question his tactics. That's not a good sign. Come on, people. No, it's no, it, it's it's not. It's, I what? wonder, Guardiola. In terms of you know how intense he is in training sessions and how intense he is and pressure he puts on his players to coach them and obviously it works because you know the teams do what they do and, and produce the points that they do and win the titles that they do. But I do wonder after a certain amount of time whether the players don't. I'm not sure lose trust, but I, I, I wonder if the players just kind of have enough of it and it's, it's kind exhausting. of have, yeah, and they have this guy, this bold guy on the on the touchline. Uh, just on at them all the time and, and after three or four years you're like lad give it a rest will you <laughs> um, I, I, I wonder you know, maybe it's a bit of a joke but I wonder if there is a bit of that because that must be so hard what he asks for his players and, and it obviously works but there is so much and I just wonder whether the players have it in them to, to keep on doing it season after season let's forget City this lost is- nine league games this year 
this is exactly what he himself has said. Like you can take the most out of a team for mm-hmm. three years, fourth, four tops. After that, the team is mentally exhausted. Uh, players are mentally exhausted. You can't really motivate them with the same words as you did before. You've gone through every situation you can go through in football. And it it's downhill from there. So I think with Guardiola, that's even more true because he is such a demanding and exhausting and... Yeah, 100% football all time, 24-7. He thinks about that. I can surely imagine Guardiola calling their players late at night, asking them if they're seeing the DVD uh, or if they've, uh, what they had for dinner, you know, something like that. I can totally see him. And yeah, of course, he's a great guy and I think he has the team and I think the team trusts him. But at some point, you just want to have a full night's sleep without having to worry about the team the next next day you know i love the idea of pep like sending rodri a text to free i'm saying uh, you up yeah. like a proper booty call text <laughs> he reads like he waits for people to read uh, their whatsapp messages he's there just staring at his phone waiting for that little tick <laughs> that little tick to go off um so he i mean we all agree he's probably not going to get fired he can probably leave on his own terms right yeah, I, I don't think they're going to get rid of him. And I don't think Guardiola is the type of coach that you actually get rid of, even if he's not winning the Champions League or performing the way that you want to. But that's what I, I mean when I think that he should step down himself and has another maybe have another sabbatical year. Or I think maybe he should step down after the fifth year. But I think he's already pushing it too hard. Okay. Yeah, I don't think you can sack Pep Guardiola. Um one thing in his post-match press conference after Leon, I don't know if people saw it, but he did look particularly broken. But I guess you would do after a result like that. My only thing of him, I think what we're either going to see now, we're going to see one or two things. Either it is a road to where he does step down um, because it's just it's hit the end of the road, as you do with, with teams and coaching cycles, or we're going to see him become proper fuel, proper motivators, and they come back next season. They've got all this hate behind them from Liverpool fans with Bernardo on Twitter, and obviously all the Champions League hate that they're getting, and I think they just go and bullet for next season, which I'm scared about, to be honest. Why are they building a statue to David Silva? Because yeah, he's a phenomenal footballer, <laughs> he's been great. Well, they, probably one of their best footballers. He's not even their. He's not well, even the best player in their squad. Well, Fulham used to have a Michael Jackson statue, so I think David Silva is okay. <laughs> I've seen that statue. I've seen that statue of Fulham. It's it's fantastic. <laughs> because he's maybe not even their best player over the last ten years. He's not even the most important player over the last ten years. I mean, yeah, that's. I mean, come on. In terms of being their best footballer, that is subjective. And in terms of importance, obviously, company and yeah, yeah, it's all right. There's questions there, but Sergio Aguero. I, yeah, yeah, of course. Yeah, um, I you know. I think maybe Richard Dunn's probably got a question ah, of why. He's now you're talking. Danny Tiato, what's going on there? But. Joel, now I, you are podcasting. When you bring up Richard Dunn now and then why he should get a statue, we're really podcasting. <laughs> I like it. Stephen Ireland, too, in that truck. That's another, that's another shout. Okay, that's probably enough statue talk. Has there ever been a more displeasing semi-final than PSG against RB Leipzig? A state vehicle against a drinks franchise, as, as Miguel Deloney called it. 
Well, I, I, I don't really like the new rich teams, like I have to say Man City and PSG and uh, Chelsea a few years ago also. Now Chelsea has become a regular team, I guess. <laughs> so I don't really like that. Uh, and at the same time, I don't really like teams sponsored 100% by a company, just like it is with Leipzig. But at the same time, they're the underdog and they're the team with young players and they're the team playing a really nice, enjoyable football. So I guess it's going to, my guess is it's going to be better than we expected. And it's going to have more emotions than we expect a, a PSG 3 Neo boring and predictable. So... That's not, of course, the semifinal that I wanted. I think Atalanta and Leipzig would have been much better, but still uh, might be a good match. Well, I think it'll be a good game. It's just PSG and Leipzig. It's, like, it's, it's a bit hollow, isn't it? Yeah, that's, uh, that's the yeah. worst. They're like a Joel podcasting today. Hollow. <laughs> that's what it is. Go on. I, but I, I guess that's just, a, um, that's just the, the state of what we're in at this moment, the context of of the way these Champions League games being played out with, you know, with no fans. And I, I guess it's just a sign of, you know, it's hollow on the pitch and it's hollow in the stands. I mean, I'm not complaining because the stand of football has still been great since football returned, but obviously it is kind of, you know, trying to eat a microwave meal with the wrapping still on. It's just not quite, it's <laughs> just not there. It's not right, is it? Um, but, uh, <laughs> You know, it's if we want to go into you know the states and and the situation of the two clubs in that semi final, we you know we'd be here for hours. It's 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 not great. If you know, it's all about in terms of a, a football context. It's it, it is interesting because obviously you know Julian Nagelsmann and Thomas Tuchel, uh, you know, have got previous. Um, I'm sure a lot of people have seen how uh, Tuchel coached Nagelsmann at I think it's Augsburg. Um, and and set him oh, up on yeah. his first That's coaching true. task when he was nineteen because he was injury prone and, and and he didn't have many coaches at the time. So, uh, Tuchel set him off to do a scouting <coughs> task uh, on on uh, future opponents. And then, I, you know, obviously, Nagelsmann's got the taste for it from there. So, it's kind of like Tuchel's the Frank, you know, Doctor Frankenstein, and, and now he he's created this monster, and it could come back to haunt him because he might not get to the final of the Champions League. Look at Joel displaying his English knowledge there. It's, <laughs> it's Doctor Frankenstein <laughs> and the monster. It's the monster is not Frankenstein. People keep making that mistake. Great. Jeez, you are on point today. You don't wow. get an English lit degree for nothing, man. You know. Oh, I mean? Hey, look, look, one fellow English lit to another, Joel. <laughs> That's a, I know I know a good ear when I or a good eye when I hear one. Uh, can we give predictions then for this one? Because it is tonight, so there's not much point to get in, getting into too much detail about it. I think it's very hard giving predictions for the Champions League at this stage because everything I expected happened the other way around. Just go with your do a George Costanza and do the opposite of what you think is right. <laughs> okay, I'm gonna go with two one for Leipzig. Okay, Joe. I think PSG will just have too much for them uh, and Neymar will, will just come to the roost again. Uh, PSG will go through 2 or 3-1, I think. Oh, okay. The other semi-final, uh, which takes place tomorrow, if I'm not mistaken, Wednesday. Yeah, it is today. Today is Tuesday, isn't it? Yeah, Wednesday. Yeah. Yes. Uh, so the other semi-final sees Leon against Bayern. Can anybody actually make a case for Leon not getting hammered here? I am. 
That's I harder. Can... <laughs> I can't. I can't make a, a case to say Leon will get through. But what they, be, will they beat say... Juventus. They've beat yeah, Man, they, Man City. Man City. Uh, what I will say about them? I've just been writing the preview for it, so I'm actually to be on the side to keep a lookout for that. Um, what I will say about them is that. <laughs> Bayern, you know, against Barcelona, they, you know, they got this high line which has been working for them. Barcelona did get in quite a bit, and in the first twenty minutes, that game could have been three-three. Um, and also in the Pokal final, Leverkusen and Bayern obviously won four-two, but Leverkusen got in a lot. Um, and if it wasn't for Kevin Volland missing and have you know missing a sitter, Havertz missed a couple of good chances. And that that's the story could be completely different. Um, so there is something, and, and you link this to the way Leon played against Man City. Leon were, were great at counter-attacking and, and getting in in their space, especially down the side of the defenders. And because obviously you've got the pace of Depay, they've got the pace of Cambi or Dembele if he starts, and Corne on on the wing. So I I don't obviously buying. You always feel no matter what. The opposition do by having all else to go to and we'll find a way to get through. But I do think Leon will lay a glove on them and I think that there will be a stage tomorrow where I think Leon might score the first goal and there might be a stage where you know it looks like Leon might cause a shock. I do think Bayern will eventually get through and find a way to get through, but it's the Champions League and it's the semi-finals. These two games won't go to type completely. There will be stages where the favourites might look a bit under threat. I think Leon might cause Bayern a bit more trouble than we think. Than we think, to be honest. Okay, Joanna, you've already said Neymar is at least uh, ten times better than Messi. That <laughs> Pep Guardiola should be sacked and should never manage ever again. Uh, come on and tell us then that Leon are going to beat Bayern. That's what I want to hear. Uh, no, I'm going to go with Bayern. I think Leon has done a great and amazing Champions League and. I think also that the big difference there in the first half of the season, second half of the season was Bruno Guimarães in the midfield. He's made a huge difference. He's made more or less what Bruno Fernandes did in Man United. Like the first half of the season, you wouldn't expect the team to go as far as they did. And then comes along a, a player that was very decisive, that fits well and kind of like solves all the midfield problems there. But at the same time, Bayern is a much better team. I think the difference between Bayern and Lyon is much bigger. I think Bayern has is the team that has played the best football since football was back after the corona break in all big, big top leagues in Europe. And they didn't... They are not unstable. They keep the same level throughout the matches, even if you know they have some problem against Bayer Leverkusen or they, you know, they don't expect they don't play, perform as well as we should as they should in one or two matches. But they are very, very regular, uh, like regularly good. And uh, Lyon against. Both City and uh, Juventus, they did great matches, but what they did was they they played correctly. You know, they held the pressure and they took the chances they had in the counters or when uh, some some defensive mistake on the other side. I don't think Bayern is going to let them have that defensive mistake. I'm not sure, you know, maybe Boateng is playing, so you can never be 100% sure. <laughs> but... I don't. I, I. don't think Bayern will miss as many chances as Man City did. I think they're much more effective. Uh, you have. They have Lewandowski up a front, up ahead. So 
they'll have a much harder time against Bayern. But then at the same time, you were talking about uh, the 7-1, and <laughs> Germany crushed Brazil 7-1, and then they only beat uh, Argentina 1-0 in the extra time already, so... Oh, that's a, it's, a <laughs> if, fi- it's a final. There's always a little bit more pressure than playing a semi-final against Brazil in their own country. Yeah, I guess that's it, because I think you give so much in one match, then the other, you kind of like, okay, you know, we're, we're through already, we're done our role, we're done our, what we were supposed to, so... Maybe in the final, they won't be as, as exciting as they have been so far. Mm-hmm. But I think Bayern won't have any problem against um, against Lyon. Okay, give me your scoreline. 8-0? 3-0. 3-0. Oof. Yeah. Joel? Hey, I'm going to say it'll be 1-1 for a long time, level for a long time, and Bayern might run away 3 or 4-1 in the last 20. Ooh, that's some semifinals to look forward to. Okay, that's all from us today. My thanks to Joanna and Joel. We'll be back next week to review all that's gone on. Should you miss us in the meantime, you can listen to the back catalogue, iTunes, SoundCloud, Spotify, wherever it is you get your podcast hit. And if you want to get in touch, the address to do so is podcast.wolfsport.com. Mm-hmm.